0: Today's guest has joined us on the show before, and she's one of y'all's favorites, mine too, and it's my dear friend, Hannah Seymour. If this is your first time meeting her, Hannah is an amazing writer, mentor, Bible teacher, and she's the host of a brand new incredible podcast called No Matter What with Hannah Seymour. She's also one of my closest friends, and I just love the conversation we have in store for you today. Here's a little bit of background on the episode before we dive in. So just a few months ago, I got a message from one of our listeners that just stopped me in my tracks. I'm gonna read it to you. She said, Hey Stephanie, I've been listening to Girls Night for a while now and hearing you and your guests talk about God and having a relationship with Him. I'm not a Christian, but I think I might wanna be one. I think I might wanna have a relationship with God, but I'm not totally sure what that means or where to start. Can you help me? Guys, I loved her question because I remember exactly where I was when I was asking the very same thing. Also, as I was writing her back, I realized that there aren't very many resources to help us with this specific moment in our faith. If you go to church or read a book about Christianity or listen to a Christian podcast, you're usually walking in in the middle of the story. It's sort of assumed that you've started the journey already or that you have some background information about God and Jesus. And for a lot of us, that's just not true. When I became a Christian, I didn't know anything about God or Jesus. I'd been to church a few times, but I didn't remember anything from it. I really was starting from square one. You guys will actually get to hear more of that story today. So in this episode, I'm gonna be asking Hannah all of the questions I was asking at the very beginning of my faith journey. Questions like, what does it mean to have a relationship with God? How do we actually begin a relationship with God? What kind of life change should we expect to see in becoming a Christian? And what if we become a Christian and our lives don't really change? What do we do then? How do we put our full hope and trust in God even when we can't physically see Him? And that's just the beginning. If you're new to your faith journey, or if you're like, you know, I'm not a Christian, but I have some questions, this episode is for you. But also, if you've been a Christian for a while, or even your whole life, this episode's for you too. I think for so many of us, we come to a place where our faith just feels a little bit stale. We've been doing this forever, and so in some ways, it's kind of become routine. And then I know for others of us, We've been a Christian for a long time, but we've never really had a big transformation moment with God. We hear other people talk about how much God has changed their lives, and while we would love to experience God in such a tangible, life-changing way, that just hasn't been our story. If you're in either of those places, I know that this episode will really help. Now guys, I have to be honest with you, this is my favorite episode about faith that we have ever done here on the podcast, and I cannot wait to dive in. But before we do, I wanna make sure that y'all know about a resource that I think could be a really great next step if you are trying to grow in your faith. It's my book, The Lipstick Gospel Devotional. The Lipstick Gospel Devotional is a 90-day step-by-step guide that will help you consistently connect with God, hearing from Him, trusting His plans, and feeling His presence in your everyday life. If this sounds like something that would be helpful for where you are right now, I would love to share it with you. You can pick up a copy at smawilsonshop.com, and that link will also be in our show notes. Okay, with that said, let's jump into the episode. Here is my conversation with Hannah Seymour. Alright, friends! I'm so excited about this episode. This is an episode I've been wanting to do forever, and I'm sitting with one of my favorite humans on the planet, (laughs) Hannah Seymour. Hannah, uh, welcome back to Girls' Night.
1: Thank you. I mean, how many times is this? Like 800?
0: (laughs) We we have to go back and count and see how many times you truly have been on the show. But I, you know, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry because (laughs) I really it. You know, I think one of the things that inspired the show from the beginning was spending time with my girlfriends and like the wise women who speak into my life. And so it's not even like... I mean, you and I will have conversations and I'm like, that's so good. I just can't Mm -hmm. keep it to myself. And so I just I'm I'm so glad to get to share you so many times with (laughs) with our women, because otherwise I feel like I'd be holding out on them by just keeping you to myself. Well, thanks. (laughs) That means a ton. Um, So tell me, uh, for those of for the women who haven't gotten to meet you yet, and Speaking of those other episodes, we'll link them in the show notes so you can go back and listen because Hannah has talked to us about so many things. But tell us who you are, what you do, and a fun fact
1: about yourself. Yep. So I'm Hannah Seymour. I'm an author, a podcaster. I am wife to a cute guy named Tyler, mom to two little boys. And a fun fact about me is that pretty much from like, let's say three years old until 18. I thought that my purpose on this planet was to be a Christian pop artist. And my whole life was like on mission to accomplish that. And a very long story short, I pivoted, and it took me a little bit, but I mean, if you had told 18 year old Hannah, what my life looks like at 35 today, I would not believe it. I mean, it's like God wrote just such a crazy different story than what I was sure he put me on the planet to do.
0: Which I feel like is so, I love hearing that because that's so true for so many of us. And like, is it better? Oh yeah,
1: infinitely better. And I could not have been a pop artist or a Christian pop artist. In the, I mean, you know, that was not what God, I think, ultimately had for me.
0: <laughs> um, it's funny that you say that because... And I'm telling you, I don't see this. Like, I don't see it at all. But you get mistaken for Miley Cyrus a lot. Oh, all the time. All the time. It's That's weird to me. I don't see it. (laughs) I don't see it. But I've been with you when people are like... Are you? Yeah. Are
1: you? So I moved to Nashville when Miley still lived in Nashville and it was just coming off of her Hannah Montana years. And so she still had her long wavy brown hair, which is what I have a, a lot of times. And people would come up to me and they were sure that I was her because she would like we were in the same geographic area. She had been sighted at that Whole Foods or that Target. And so people would be like, oh, you're just, you just don't have makeup on. I'd be like, no, darling, I do have makeup on and I am not <laughs> Miley Cyrus.
0: And, but the thing that's tricky about it is when people ask you, they'd be like, well, what's your name? You're like, yeah. no, I'm Hannah. Yeah. And you're like, oh no, like Hannah Montana is her secret <laughs> yes. stage name. Oh gosh. Okay. It was
1: funny and awful. Yeah. Well,
0: that's great. That's great. Well, we're going to have to, we'll, we'll get a picture of you up, um, or I mean, go follow Hannah on Instagram and you can tell us, I'd love for, I'd love for you guys to tell us, do you think Hannah looks like Miley Cyrus? Yeah.
1: Maybe I'll post like a side by side. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. I'm excited. (laughs) Also, Hannah, I, like I said, I've been wanting to do this episode forever and um, it really was kicked off. I mean, a lot by my own story and my own experience with becoming a Christian. But um, I, I get amazing um, DMs and and emails from our listeners all the time, which I love that. And one of the ones that I got a while back just, and I, I get it a lot, but this one just really stuck out to me. And it was a woman saying like, you know, Stephanie, I I hear people talking about Jesus. I hear people talking about God. I think I want a relationship with him. I think I want to be a Christian. Like, how do I get started? Mm-hmm. And that question is such a good one, and one that we don't answer hardly ever. Yeah. Like when you walk into church on a Sunday morning, unless it's maybe Easter, you don't get the story from the beginning. You're walking in like in the second act or yeah. something. I mean, you're, it's, yeah, no one really walks us through this. And if you're going through a Bible study, it's like already assumed that you know that you have a Bible yeah. or that you know what to do with the Bible. Yeah. Totally. Um, and, and so I think. Just hearing that question and then remembering how I asked that very same question,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it made me really want to do an episode where we take away assumptions. Like, you don't need to know anything to listen to this episode. Yep. Um, but really, like, walking together through the first couple steps of if you have any interest in getting to know God, in having a relationship with Him, like, what do you do? Yep. So that's what we're here. That's what we're here to talk about today. And so, first, Hannah, like, from the beginning, I'm going to pick your brain like crazy today, so I'm glad I you're I'm ready. I'm glad you're ready. I got my
1: game face on.
0: <laughs> you do. You do. I noticed that when you walked in. <laughs> um, so, okay, what does it mean to have a relationship with God? Like,
1: by saying, yes, I'm in yes. to Christianity, what are we signing up for? Okay, let's talk about two different things. So, one, I love that you said relationship with God, but you also use some other things like, yes, God, I'm in, or um, I don't know, there are some other things you were saying that had a similar connotation. And I think personal relationship with, a, with God is such a good phrase, but it, it's kind of Christianese. Cause mm-hmm. again, it's like an outsider is like, what the, what does that even mean to have a person? What is personal relationship with a per- thing that you can't see? Like, what does that mean? Yep. So to go, to get a little nerdy simply within the last century, probably in even like 60 years, there became this movement where we started using personal relationship with God. And the reason was, is that Christians were trying to differentiate, um, just showing up on Sunday morning at like high church. You sing some hymns, you might like recite some liturgy, which is like scripture or like creeds that like old dead white guys have written. Um, and you might hear a sermon and then you, it's an hour and you leave and you never think about God again until you show up the next Sunday. And so there was this movement where folks started saying Christianity isn't a religion. It's not just like a check off the boxes, tradition, rules of do's and don'ts. It's not a religion. It's a relationship. And so thus came this whole idea of like, do you have, not just do you like know that there's a God and you show up at church, but do you have a personal relationship with him? Is it a daily thing? And we can talk about that more later, but like, I mean, we all have an idea of what that, that means to have a relationship with someone. You're spending time with them. It takes, it takes time. You're okay. All these things. So that aside, personal relationship, the reason I like the phrase, and some people give it a bad, like personal relationship with Jesus or God is nowhere in the scriptures. That doesn't mean that it's bad. And here's why, because Christianity really is about relationship. Christianity is about a God who created humans because he desired to be in relationship with them. So he created Adam and Eve for the sole purpose of knowing him. Scripture says that he would like come down and walk through the garden with them. I mean, think about the Lord's feet, him standing right next to you just on an afternoon stroll in the Mm -hmm. most beautiful place that we could ever, I mean, utopia, the most beautiful place we could ever imagine. That's what he designed humanity for, was to enjoy him, to know him and enjoy creation. But we, most of us know the story too well. We screwed up, right? God made this one rule, don't eat from this tree. And what did they do? They ate from it. So sin enters the world. And when Adam and Eve were made perfectly in God's image, Created to be in a relationship with him, once imperfection entered the world, a holy, perfect God cannot be in right relationship with an unholy, imperfect human. And that is like the rest of the story of the Bible is how does God, for lack of a better word, how does he fix it? And there's a pastor that I'll always quote when I will talk about this, who will often say, we've got to remember this isn't plan B. God didn't start this, humans screwed up and go, okay, I got a plan B. This was, he always had plan A was Jesus. He was going to send his son, Jesus, to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. We can never be good enough, perfect enough to be in a right relationship with God. But Jesus came on this earth. He lived a perfect life, fully knowing temptation, fully living in imperfect circumstances, just like we do but he lived a perfect life. And because of that, he was able to die on a cross. He was crucified. Essentially, he was murdered by the Roman government. And through that, he took on the sins of the world. And was so now God can look at us Through Jesus, and we are forgiven. So, even though you and I can never be perfect because of what Jesus did, if we place our trust in Jesus, and we could talk in a minute about what that means, but if we place our trust in Jesus, God sees us through Christ, sees us through Jesus, and sees us as forgiven and as perfect. So, back to that word relationship, He can be in right relationship with us, which again is His ultimate desire is to. He already fully knows you because he made you, but he wants you to fully know him. And he wants to do this life with you, walk in daily communion with you. So that's what it means to have a relationship with God. It's knowing him. It's being known by him and learning to live differently because we know him. That's amazing.
0: That's amazing, Hannah. <laughs> I So one, one of the things I was thinking of is, you know, when we think about, like, when we're looking at God from the outside, you know, I think one of the things is, like, how do you approach God when you're such a mess, you Mm -hmm. know? It's like, there's this fear of, like, I could never go into church. I could never, like, hang out with Christians. I could never, like, I'm not invited because people like me aren't invited. Mm -hmm. And the thing about it is, like, People like us are invited because of Jesus. Like, we, you don't have to clean yourself up to go into church. And anyone who says you should or you need to is wrong. Like, that totally undermines the whole thing. It's Church is a place, Christianity is a place where we get to come in exactly as we are, messy as can be. And because of Jesus, like, we get a fresh start. We get a total do-over in life. And we get to be in a relationship with the most amazing God ever, not after we have our stuff cleaned up, but in the process Mm -hmm. because of Jesus.
1: Yes. And the Bible gives us so many examples of Jesus literally doing that. Like Jesus sought out the people that were considered like the biggest sinners of the day. Like it says he hung out with tax collectors and um, like prostitutes and, and, and people who tax collectors were folks that were financially abusing and stealing from other people, or, I mean, obviously we can imagine the sin of a prostitute or, but I mean, he he was seeking out the hurt and the broken and the people that certainly felt like I am way too far for God to ever consider being in a relationship with me. That's who Jesus went after.
0: I love that. I love it. Well, okay. So Hannah, how do we say like, yes, I'm in to Christianity? Like, how do we actually begin a relationship with God? Do we pray a prayer? Do
1: we start going to church? Yeah. Like if we're if we're interested. Yes. What do we do? Okay, I love this question because I think if you ask 12 believers, 12 people who said I'm into God, or call themselves Christ followers, whatever, how, like, what was the moment when you became a Christian? I bet you would get 12 different answers. And your story is like one of my favorite for those. So, I mean, I, I, like, I want to hear you talk about it. Like, what was the moment when you look back and go, oh, that was the moment I said, yes, God, I'm in. Were you in a church service and a preacher invited you to raise your hand and pray a certain prayer? No. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, so,
0: I actually might cry, which seems appropriate. So if I do
1: cry, um,
0: be warned. I think that this is a similar um, situation for a lot of people. Cause, so I think we have a couple hesitations when it comes to becoming a Christian. Um, one of them is like, I'm too messed up for God. Like yep. he could never want someone like me. Another one is... I don't think I need God. Like, mm. I'm going through life yep. just fine. And yeah. that seems like putting a whole lot of limitations on a life that is going just fine for mm-hmm. me. And really, that was me forever. Um, another hesitation I had was, um, I don't know if I relate to God. Like, I don't know mm. if He has anything in common with me or if I would even like the kind of life that that Christianity would lead to, which I was so surprised by the fact that that wasn't true at all. Like, mm. God is not vanilla and boring shoes and— uh I don't know, like things you don't want to do. He's he's life beyond life. He's mm-hmm. extra color. He's fireworks and best friends and and um, just better life than you can even imagine. And that's what I got to find out. But so at the time, though, I just didn't think I needed God until I did. And basically every part of my life fell apart all at the same time when I was in college. And that's why I love talking about all different relationships so much here, because there was a point where my friendships were a mess. Um, my relationship with myself was terrible, like so unhealthy. I was so mean to myself. I did not like myself. Um, I uh, was broken up with by the guy I thought I was going to marry. I didn't have a relationship with God. Basically, the only thing that was going okay was like school and I was kind of thinking towards my career. That was the only part of my life that wasn't in shambles that fell apart later. Um, but so that's kind of the circumstance I was in. I was just heartbroken in every way Mm -hmm. I could think of, And that's when I got to go study abroad for the semester, which is great. I feel like if you're heartbroken and you can leave the country, perfect. Do it. Um, Do it. Um, So I'm I'm studying abroad, and for the very first time, I'm kind of considering like what would a relationship with God look like? Mm -hmm. Because I just, for the first time, felt like I'm doing life to the best of my ability, and it's not not, working. It's not working. It's not going well. So throughout the course of this semester, um I started asking questions and I um happened to be studying abroad with my two best friends who are Christians and I just asked them every question I could think of and I was so skeptical and I was so unsure and I I mean I just like hammered them with questions thinking that maybe maybe I would decide to be a Christian if they could sort of like get me there mentally. Well, after this whole semester, you know, heartbroken, getting to spend really good time with these friends, getting to ask lots of questions, um, we ended up in Italy for spring break. And uh, the night before, we had um, taken up an opportunity to go on a pub crawl. Um, It was the Spanish Steps pub crawl. I feel like they probably still do it. Um, We went around to all these different bars. They gave us free t-shirts. There were like chugging contests and stuff. I came in second. Um, I think I got robbed. (laughs) Um, The guy I I lost to, I think was like huge, Uh, like a huge college, like, I don't know, professional drinker. But so, I mean, we, so we went out the night before and then the next morning, you know, wanting to be good tourists, we decided we were going to go to the Vatican and it didn't occur to me that I was going to go to the Pope's house uh, hungover, but we didn't shower. (laughs) We were hungover and I went wearing. You
1: smelled like a like gross bar floor i
0: did yeah. i smelled like a gross bar floor <clears throat> yeah. um and for some reason we decided that we have these new free shirts we should all wear them and we were all matching so we all show up at at the pope's house smelling like liquor and the shirt says i came i saw i crawled <laughs> spanish house Pope crawl. so that's that's like this those are the circumstances <laughs> Um, so so we, we go in and we're wandering around the Vatican and they take us into the Sistine Chapel and I'm looking up at the ceiling and it's, I mean, just incredible. And I'm, you know, in a throng of tourists and I'm about ready to leave because our tour guide's kind of wrapping it up. And I turn around and I catch sight of the back wall of the Sistine Chapel and it's a fresco by Michelangelo and it's the last judgment. And I have to say, it's not my favorite painting ever. It's like... Yeah, it's like just not it's not my favorite painting. I think Jesus is like sort of wearing a diaper kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah, like it's I don't know. It's whatever. It's not my favorite. But something happened in that moment because I turn around and I lock eyes with Jesus in this painting and something in my heart just like jumped. It was like seeing a best friend for the first time in forever. And you just want to like run and hug them and wrap your arms around them and I it was such a weird feeling to feel that all of my skepticism and all of my doubts and all of my questions were just all of a sudden gone, and I could feel like I want to know him, like I want mm-hmm. to know Jesus, and I want him to know me, and I want to be friends with him. I mean, the part of myself that would have been like you do, like, was just quiet. I, mm-hmm. I, I just did, and so in that moment, with all of my doubts and fears just suddenly gone, locking eyes with this painting with Jesus, really. And I just said, like, I'm in. Jesus, I'm in. And I think I said something to the effect of like, I'm in for this Christianity thing. Like, so super holy, super holy words. (laughs) But I I said, I'm in. And I really, truly was. And so we walked out of the Sistine Chapel. And I remember telling my girlfriends, like, I'm a Christian now. Or like, (laughs) I I met Jesus in there. (laughs) And like, I, I don't remember what their faces looked like, because I was too consumed with what just happened. But I'm sure they were like, like jaw on the floor. Mm-hmm. Like what just happened? Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's how I was, I was hungover, smelled like alcohol, wear a pub crawl t-shirt. I was at the Pope's house and I said, Jesus, I'm in. Let's do this
1: Christianity thing. You weren't listening to a sermon. Nope. You are not church. Nope. And that's, I love your story so much because it's just the perfect example of God. And, okay. The first time we were, the. I've heard you tell this story so many times, but it was the first time that I put two and two together again, talking about this word relationship what is like the pinnacle of the Sistine Chapel artwork? It's a, the massive hand of God reaching out to man. Mm-hmm. Again, it's a picture of God initiating relationship. I want to be in connection with you. Yep. And that somehow that piece of art, God's spirit used that piece of art to finally like pull you in and connect with you. Yep. And I mean, your story is legitimate. It's what happened. It's like exactly how the Lord called you. You know how God called me when I was like a five-year-old sitting in my bed, listening to a record called Patch the Pirate. And my mom came in to tuck me in bed. And I told her, I want to invite Jesus into my heart. And I meant it. And I prayed a prayer with her and I meant it. And I mean, both those could not be more different stories. (laughs) And, but they are both exactly how The Lord called us. And and so that's, I think, you know, if you're thinking about, I have to pray a certain prayer or say certain words, prayer is not a magical formula. It's just talking to God. And so I think we can say you prayed, but again, I don't think you have to pray. But like you said, okay, God, like, fine, I'll do it. I'm in. (laughs) I'll do this Christianity thing, even though I'm not sure exactly what it entails. I'm not sure I'm going to like what it entails. But for some reason, I think this is what I need to do. And I'm ready. The Bible tells us in Romans, it's Romans 10, 9, and 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It says, For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. So in your heart, if you're alive, that's what happened to you. In your something changed in your heart, and you mm-hmm. said yeah, I'm in. And then you confess with your mouth. And again, I don't think this is like a legalistic thing. Like you have to say it out Out loud loud in the moment or whatever, but it's just this idea that there's a connection from your heart to your mouth, to your brain. I think where it's like, no, this is it. I believe this. It says later in that chapter, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you call upon Jesus's name, it doesn't matter how it happens. doesn't matter if you smell like a stinky old bar floor or if you're a five-year-old or anything in between. If you call on Jesus's name, it's as simple and mysterious as that.
0: I love that. <laughs> I love that. Um, so, you know, once we start this relationship, yeah. once we say, hey, I'm in or like, I want to invite Jesus into my heart. What do, where do we go from there? Yeah. Like, what are some of the first steps we should take when we're new to this
1: faith thing? So this is what I think it means to be a Christ follower a Christ follower or a Christian or a believer, all these different terms we use. And I think we go back to Jesus's words. Some A lawyer came up to Jesus and basically said, like, what's the most important commandment in the Bible? Because in the Old Testament, of course, a lot of us know the Ten Commandments, but there was a lot of law that God laid out. He gave to a leader named Moses and God's chosen nation, Israel, had a ton of law that they live by. And so this lawyer the lawyer who loves the law and who has studied the law comes to Jesus and says, what's the most important one? And Jesus starts with, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And he says, second, love your neighbor as yourself. These are the most important. That is what it means to be a Christian, to be a Christ follower, a believer, again, a Jesus freak, any, you know, 80s term, any (laughs) word you want to use that means... I'm all into this. So that's what we need to act like. Okay, so how do I love God? With all my heart, with all my mind, soul, strength. And how do I love people? That's what it means to follow Jesus. My dad, who's a preacher daddy, (laughs) preacher daddy, uh, says all the time, the way you grow in your relationship with Christ is three things. It's God's word. It's God's spirit. And it's God's people. God's word is the Bible. God's Spirit is. Scripture says this is crazy, and I'm getting I'm getting deep real fast. We'll we'll come back up to the service. Scripture says that when when you say I'm in, when you confess Jesus, when you call upon His name. God's spirit, the Holy Spirit indwells in you. And I think that's where we get this, like what I said in a childish term, like invite Jesus into my heart. Jesus isn't like physically coming into your heart and knocking and opening a little door and like sitting on a throne in your heart, right? But God's spirit indwells in you. And it's his Holy Spirit that does all these crazy things like change your life from the inside out, like help you understand the Bible, learn to pray. Like he is your helper. My dad always says, The Holy Spirit is better than a guilty conscience. So this isn't just like a moral compass anymore. I mean, he, like what he does in us is again, it's simple and mysterious and fireworks and champagne toast. I mean, it's crazy what he does. Okay. But so that's God's spirit and then God's people. So really simply, if you're like, okay, day one, what am I going to do? So how are we going to start like, really get to know God, the easiest way is starting to read the Bible. And I know that can seem super daunting, but Hannah, you just said like, (laughs) read the odyssey or like, no, I know. know, know. (laughs) So it's, you got to find like the simplest thing that's going to be where you are. You and I had a conversation just the other day about something I needed to start doing. And you were like, this is not like you've never worked out in your life. And now I'm telling you to work out seven days a week, right? Like, why don't you just shoot for two days a week? So I'm not, you don't have to read from Genesis to Revelations in the original Greek and Hebrew. And like, (laughs) that is not what this is. Um, My suggestion, there's a book in the New Testament um, titled Luke. A lot of people say start with John. John's great. I like Luke. I think Luke is um, just more clear. I don't know. It's written by a doctor. It's very precise. <laughs> and Luke literally goes from Jesus' birth through his death, burial, and resurrection and pull it up. I mean, you can get the Bible anywhere, like on your phone, pull it up in the message translation or, um, the new living translation. Really the message is like a paraphrase. So, I mean, you could start there. You were going to understand the message. Yeah. After you read the message, read it again in the new living Translation. Also super easy to understand, but start with like, okay, you want to get to know God? Well, let's read about Jesus and let's read about his life. So simple. Start there. If that's too daunting, there are a million apps that you can download that will give you like a t- teeny tiny little Bible study or a couple of verses to read a day. I mean, s- start where you can maintain it. Start with, Don't do, don't do something that's going to overwhelm you start simple yep so god's word god's spirit my advice wait really quick
0: on the on god's word yeah one thing i wanted to say this this was really helpful for me i remember my church saying this for the first time or hearing this for the first time and i was like oh really glad you told me this um so th- we've heard the term the gospel right yep in the bible there are four gospels there's yep. matthew mark luke and john it feels kind of confusing cuz as you're flipping through they tell the same story yep. and so you're like what's the deal here and that's a weird thing. Like, it's a weird thing for in the middle of a book to have the same story with slightly different details told four times. Yep. But- they were all different people kind of giving a different perspective Mm -hmm. on the same story. And so that's cool because you get to just see a a clearer picture by reading it in different people's words. So if you read Luke, that's from the perspective of Luke. And if you're like, okay, but John tells the same story. He does. He just sometimes includes different things or it's like he's talking to different people or whatever. So um, if you feel confused by that, just know there are four gospels. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And those are the people who wrote the gospel, mm-hmm. that particular gospel, yep. and they tell the same story. So if you're like, this seems repetitive, that's why, and yep. you're not going crazy.
1: Yep. And you could literally just read those four books for, like, the first four years of your Christian life if you wanted to. And I'll, you will be ahead of most people who call themselves Christians in America. But think about, like, if we're going to say, I'm all in, and I want a relationship with God, like, why wouldn't you start with, like, just learning about who Jesus is? was on this earth who he is today. Like that's, I mean, you could, I mean, you could live there your whole life if you wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> it would be enough. It would I'm, be more uh, than enough.
0: I'm so glad that you said that about the two greatest commandment, commandments because I think that Christianity, like there are two things that, that kind of go wrong. One is that it can feel really complicated when we start getting into the law and all the letters and like all the, I mean, there's just a lot of words in there. And so it can kind of muddy things up yeah. and make it confusing yeah. and make it feel like you're constantly failing because you can't keep that all in your brain all at once. Um, but then the other thing is we as people and as a culture and as a church, both today and all throughout history, we like add junk onto it. Oh man! So like anytime you know, we turn on the TV and there's Christians doing something crazy or being mean to people or like you read through history and it's like Christians, you know, killed this group of people. I mean, whatever, like it's, it's not always pretty, And I think that sometimes that gets, that like gets in the way of us seeing who God is and like Mm -hmm. what this is really supposed to look like. And that's why I love going back to the gospels and really reading like exactly what Jesus said, because it doesn't matter what some pastor said. It all comes back to what Jesus said. That is like baseline, the most important thing. And the fact that Jesus said the most important thing out of all the important things I've said is to love God with your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength and to love other people. And that is enough. Whenever everything feels complicated to me and I'm like, what is this about? And what am I supposed to be doing right now? I come back to that verse because it's the most important thing of the most important thing. And because... While that's simple, it's not easy. And like, I will spend my whole life sort of not worrying about everything else and just focusing on that. And I know if I can even focus on that a little bit, I'm headed in the right direction. And like, that is plenty to keep me busy.
1: Totally, totally. Love God and love people. And again, we do it through God's word, God's spirit. So spirit is like, just start praying. Just start praying once a day. Try twice a day. Try. And there are so many amazing prayer resources out there. Some <clears throat> might be written by Stephanie. <laughs> um, there are so many prayer journals and prayer prompts and things that you can use again that help you. Cause I get it. It's like, where the heck do I even start yep. talking to this guy that I really don't know? Like, But that is part of the Holy Spirit indwelling in you, helping you to pray, and and it's creating that connection between you and God, okay, and the God's people. And that's, I mean, you ask, like, do I have to join a church? So I would say that's one of the easy ways to find God's people, or the easier ways to find God's people. But you cannot do this life of following Jesus alone. It was not meant to be done in a silo. It was not not meant to be a man on an island. It's meant to be done in community. So you need to find people. You need to find two kinds of people. One, people that are similar age and season of life. Find people that are like doing the same thing you are, whether it's you're in college or you're newly married or you're a new mom, whatever, similar season of life who are also following Jesus. You also, and this is going to be harder. Try to find someone that is well beyond where you are in life. So I'm a mom of two little boys. I'm looking for women. And I've been walking with Jesus for a long time. I still need this. I need women who are 50 and empty nesters and have walked with Jesus longer than me and have done more life than me to help me. But those are the three things that we grow. God's word, God's spirit, and God's people. So thinking about like, what are just baby steps that I can take towards Those three areas.
0: Hey friends, I wanted to take a quick pause from my conversation with Hannah to thank our sponsor for this week. Our sponsor this week is Warby Parker. I love this company. Now, if you guys haven't heard of Warby Parker, they are an eyewear company that's dedicated to providing exceptional vision care online and in stores at a revolutionary price point. And that's truly exactly what they do. They have both glasses and sunglasses. I have both. They have eye exams and contacts. Their glasses start at $95, which includes prescription lenses, which is amazing. They have sunglasses, progressives, and blue light lenses also available. And all their lenses include anti-glare and anti-scratch coating, which is perfect if you're like me and are constantly dropping your sunglasses. And speaking of my sunglasses, if you guys have ever seen me over on Instagram wearing those gold aviators, those are from Warby Parker. They are my favorites. I wear them every single day. So as you guys can tell, I'm a big fan of Warby Parker, but it's not just because their glasses are affordable, high quality, and super cute. One of the biggest reasons I love them is because with every pair of glasses you buy, Warby Parker distributes a pair to someone in need. Did you guys know that almost 1 billion people worldwide lack access to glasses? That means that a huge percentage of the global population has a hard time learning and working because they can't see. But Warby Parker believes that everyone has the right to see, and so they're making that happen one pair at a time. Here's another reason why I love them. Because buying a pair of Warby Parkers is super easy, and it's also really fun. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I have the hardest time making a decision on the spot. If I'm gonna buy a pair of jeans, I feel like I have to buy five, take them home, try them on for an hour, walk around in them, see how they look with everything else I own, and really give them a try before I'm ready to commit. And then I have to go return all of them. I'm sure department stores love me. But with Warby Parker, they're all about this. Warby Parker has a free home try-on program. You get to order five pairs of glasses and try them on for five days, and you get to do it all for free. Shipping is free and they include a prepaid shipping label so you can send it back super easily. Also, there's no obligation to buy any of them. If they don't work, no problem. I did my latest home try on a few weeks ago and I love it because I really got to try them out and see them in different lighting and try them on with different outfits and get second opinions from my girlfriends. And I have to say, I fell in love with one of the pairs. Actually, I fell in love with several of the pairs, but I only bought one, trying to stick to a budget here, but I just got a notification and my new pair is officially on its way. Guys, if you're looking for a new pair of glasses or a new pair of sunglasses, try Warby Parker's free home try on program. Again, you can order five pairs of glasses to try on at home for free for five days. There's no obligation to buy. They ship free and includes a prepaid return shipping label, so it's super easy. To try on five pairs of glasses at home for free, head to warbyparker.com slash girlsnight. Again, that's warbyparker.com slash girlsnight. Thank you so much to Warby Parker for making my favorite sunglasses ever and for sponsoring our girls' night. We just love having you. Okay, now without any further ado, let's jump back into my conversation with Hannah. The thing about the about friends and, and mentors, really, I mean, those were so big for me. Um, but one of the things I'll never forget is after—so after I became a Christian in the Sistine Chapel that day, I went back home and got back into normal life. It was my senior year— and um, I had Kelsey and Michelle, who were, were also at my school, who, you know, were the ones who were studying abroad with me, who were like my my sisters to this day. But like, I didn't get to see them all the time. They had their own sort of day-to-day community. Um, and I went back into just where I was before. Yeah. And so I was surrounded by people who weren't Christians, who who thought what I had just gone through was like crazy. Yeah. Like, sometimes I think people who don't know or like who aren't Christians are like, neutral, like, Mm -hmm. Hey, you do you doesn't like, I don't care. Some of the people I was around were like, not neutral. They were more, I think maybe how they grew up or, you know, their own belief systems or whatever. It was like threatening that I, it it was, there was something that really, I think bothered them Mm. about the fact that I was a Christian. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't like just a neutral thing. It was, I had to really kind of fight for it. And everyone around me, like, yeah, I thought it was kind of weird or didn't understand it or, and I just, I felt like an island. Mm. And so about six months later into my, like, my baby relationship with God, I have this in a prayer journal to this day, I had like the worst week ever. And I'm praying, I'm writing in this journal. And I said, God, I'm dying out here. Like, I feel like I'm in the desert and I need some water. And if you don't, if you don't give me some, you don't show up. if you don't show up, I'm out. I like, leave. I yeah. can't do this yeah. anymore. And it was really cool because just a couple weeks later, I left to go on my first mission trip. And i the only reason I went was because Michelle was the one leading it. And I swear she, like, tricked me into saying yes. Um, so I went on this mission trip. And for the very first time, I was surrounded by other Christians. Yeah. And not just other Christians who, like, just also believed the same things I did. I was surrounded by Christians who I also wanted to be friends with. yes, And that was huge. Because yes. I think sometimes we join a Bible study and it's like, you don't you're not going to click with everybody no. just in life and no. so that means that you're not going to click with every christian that's right but if you can find like put in the work of trying out a couple different bible studies or trying out a couple different churches and if you can find a group of people who you can laugh with and get along with and have a good time with and like just vibe with like i don't know just people who yes. you enjoy being around and i think we forget about that and who also are following jesus My relationship with God went like 80 billion times deeper. My life changed so fast. And I mean, it it just everything changed. I'm not having to do it by myself. And it all happened when all of a sudden I was surrounded by other people doing it too.
1: Yeah. Because we were created to do it in community. We were created to know God in community.
0: Yep. Yep. I love that. So, Hannah, what kind of life change Mm -hmm. can we expect Mm -hmm. by becoming a Christian? Like, what are we, what are we signing up for? What is, what is, if we let him in, what is God going to do to us? (laughs) For lack of a better way to say that. And then also, what if we become a Christian, but our lives don't really change? Mm -hmm. Like, what if we decide to commit our lives to Christ, but don't have, but like, we still feel mostly the same. Our lives still look mostly the same. We're not really seeing a
1: difference. So, you know, if you call upon the name of Jesus, if you say i in, His Spirit indwells in you. Scripture says, like, essentially, God gives you a new heart. He makes you a new creation. You, from the inside out, become a new human being because of the work of the Holy Spirit. And going back to that, part of that is, like, you are able to, before calling on Jesus' name, you're not able to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You're able to do that. And because of that, because of understanding how much He loves you, how much He's forgiven you, all the goodness that He's done for you— you are then able to love other people. Well, you are able to have hope amidst really hard, despairing seasons of your life. You're able to like, I mean, it's like you're saying before, like life goes from black and white to color. There's like so much goodness and treasure and fireworks, um, even in the really hard stuff. And yes, like you will be able, there are relationships we all have that are really hard and lots of tension. You will be equipped because of the Holy Spirit to like do better in those relationships, to love people more. You will have, God says he gives you, if you need wisdom, all you have to do is ask and he will download wisdom into you. It's like this secret toolbox. All of a sudden you have unlimited resources. Scripture says, All of the blessings in the heavenly realms, not on earth, the heavenly realms you have, he puts in you. Um, Scripture also says that the same spirit, so Jesus died, like his human body died, was buried, and what raised him from the dead was God's spirit. God used his spirit to raise God from the dead. And scripture says, guess what? That same spirit is in you. Like, just think about, like, you have literally from death to life, power oh, in you. Now that's all very theoretical. So I want you to talk about like because as a 5-year-old, I didn't get to experience this like before and after transformation of <laughs> like so like what was your experience? Like what changed after you said I'm in? I think um
0: so so there were there were kind of two phases of change. Um when I first said yes to Jesus and like in the Sistine Chapel going back home not a ton changed. Uh-huh. And I tried to read my Bible a little bit, but I didn't really understand it. Um, I would go to church and I would cry every time I would go to church. Yeah. I would just weep. And I think it's because my life had felt and still felt so dark in mm-hmm. so many ways uh-huh. that like I could just, when I was there, it was like, it was, I don't know, It the, like goodness and the light was so overwhelming to me that I just sobbed, like every sermon, every worship song. I just was so, I just cried so much, but there were a lot of parts of my life that didn't change. And I think because I didn't have, cause I didn't really have a lot of the tools. Like I didn't have people to do it with. I didn't like this, the spirit of God, I feel like was working, was starting to do some things in me, but I didn't have people to walk with. And mm-hmm. so I was very lonely and then I didn't really know his word very much. And so there were just some things I didn't, I didn't really know. And so really when I, when I went to Costa Rica, it was cool because I asked God for water and the end of that trip, I ended up getting baptized. And, um, I had been like sprinkled as a kid, um, but I had never been, you know, I hadn't publicly and officially really declared like that I wanted God to give me a new heart and a new life. Mm-hmm. Um and so I got baptized in this baby baby pool full of really cold water in the mountains of <laughs> Costa Rica. Um and it was and it was amazing and it really felt like my whole life changed so quickly hmm. after that. Um one of the things that was a real tension point for me when I was like after I'd become a Christian, but before before this trip to Costa Rica, I um, was drinking. Yeah. Because I m- that was part of my culture at school. I I mean we like I said I was beat out in that drinking contest by like a professional drinker, but I feel like I was a professional drinker. Like yeah. I had a lot of practice. Yeah. And it was just it was what my friends did. It was what we culturally did. And if I were to stop drinking or pull myself out of that, I would be alone. Mm-hmm. And. Um, and I didn't really want to stop drinking. And so I remember, so I'm, I'm, every time I'm in church, I'm crying, um, in like a good way, like just an overwhelmed kind of way. But then also in my head, the whole time I'm fighting with God and I'm fighting with him about drinking. Like, and I'm like, it's really not that big of a deal. It's really not that big of a deal. Like people drink in the Bible, like it doesn't matter. And it wasn't about drinking. It was about the fact that one, I was doing it in major excess, major excess, um, and two, like, I wasn't willing to let it go. Yeah. And I think that when there's something like that, that we are gripping onto so tightly, it just says something yeah. about us. And I it's think It's got that a piece of your heart. For some reason,
1: yeah. it's got a piece of your heart. And it
0: can be anything. And so for me, it was drinking, it was alcohol. Um, and so I, I had to, like, I think that for a long time that really held me back. It was like, I was willing to give God different parts of my life, but there was this, Part of my life, and really like a, a yucky part of my life, like a, a sin that I wasn't willing to let go of. And I feel like there's only so much that God could do with me, mm-hmm. with only a small part of me. Mm-hmm. And so when I went to Costa Rica, having other people to do life with, like to, like knowing that I wasn't gonna be alone on a Saturday night if I decided not to go to the bars yes. was really big. Having, f- I mean, we didn't drink the whole time we were in Costa Rica. And like, I was amazed at how fun it was Sober, totally sober. (laughs) Like, I mean, I just, we laughed so much. It was more fun than I'd ever had. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't believe that that was possible without this thing that felt like the source of fun for me. Uh And really, that's a great... Like, that's just a great little example of what I feel like everything was like. My friendships, once I really started giving over more parts of my heart and my life to God, got so much deeper and better and yeah. safer and more. But they were like, yeah. everyone was way more fun and funny. And I I just had such a better time. Yeah. I started to, I mean, slowly but surely, like, make peace with some of the really hard parts of my own relationship with myself like god just gave me a different love for myself and a confidence that i'd never had before yeah. and like that one took that one took a while to kind of walk out sure my relationships changed because all of a sudden i was i was starting to kind of live by the by god's design mm-hmm. of relationships um and so my relationships were like tangibly better yeah I did have a, a period of time, a year actually, where I like swore off alcohol altogether. And it was a really big moment in my relationship with God. I remember praying with him and telling him that I was gonna do that. And over that year, it was funny. I mean, I had the most fun year of my life that next year. Um, totally, totally sober, not even a drop. And I feel like because I gave over this thing that I was holding on to yeah. over to God, he was able to swoop in and just do so much in my life. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's crazy because when I look back at pictures of me like pre-meeting Jesus and pre like before this big life change and then even just right after i look different wow like i really wow. i really look different i need to remember to to put a photo on on uh, the show notes page but like i i honestly i can see it in my eyes and i can see it in my Please. smile like i just i look like a different person i look alive and happy
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and i didn't before
1: because here's the thing, God wants your whole heart. And when you say yes to Jesus and God's spirit comes in and dwells in you, the problem is, is he is not going to be satisfied with just an eighth of your heart. And so talk like your thing was drinking. We, I mean, we all have, it's not just one thing. We all have thousands of things. And let me, let me tell you, there's no way because we are sinners and live in a perfect world. God's never, I I mean, I hate to say that declaratively, but like I will probably die still never having surrendered my whole heart because it's hard and it takes time. I mean, you're talking about, but so, so that's the thing when you say, all right, Lord, have your way, um, God's spirit is going to slowly start nagging at those, the big chunks first. And so your biggest chunk right away was drinking, but he's, he's not going to be satisfied until he has your whole heart. Because he wants you to have a whole life. And when we only give God partial, like a piece of our heart, we're only fully living a piece of our life. So, I mean, that's a, and it's a scary trade-off. And I mean, I was imagining, like, if you're sitting here listening to this and maybe drinking's not your thing, but there's something else. It's a relationship. It's whatever. You're like, yeah, I know that's the thing. I do not want to give that up. I want you to really consider, okay, why don't you want to give it up? What is it? What's the fear? Behind it, yours was, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna be lonely. The fear is, I'm gonna be lonely. Okay. So name that fear and then ask yourself, can I, let's just do a trial run <laughs> and can I ask God to replace it? Mm-hmm. So if your fear is, I can't stop binge drinking because that's where I have friends and that's where I have fun. Okay, Lord, I'm afraid that I'm never gonna have fun and I'm <laughs> gonna be lonely and never have friends. Yep. Can you give me friends? Okay, Lord, I'm gonna give this up for. I'm gonna give this up, and I'm gonna ask you to come through. Now, I don't always recommend like giving God an ultimatum or like <laughs> testing Him, but I also think that these are times that the Lord is like, "Baby girl, I have been waiting to do this for you. Yeah, because I always want to be your answer. I always want to be your provider. Stop trying to provide for yourself or create your own answers. Like, yes, I'm gonna like God is saying, yes, I am ready to show up for you if you will surrender this piece and let me fulfill it in a way that is going to go beyond your expectations and your hopes
0: and it's legitimately better that's, and that's the thing i just didn't anticipate i was afraid that if i like you know stopped doing this with guys before i was married or like you know t- took the guy part of my life and like surrendered it or mm-hmm. if i stopped drinking and stopped going out like i imagined my life being sterilized in like a yucky hospital kind mm-hmm. of way and it just wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like I had been surrounded by really cheesy, yucky fake flowers. And all of a sudden I found myself in the most beautiful garden I ever could have imagined. Yep. Like, it was it was what I thought I was giving up back in a whole new way that was better than I had imagined. Yep. It was like giving up. If you're like, I need to go on a diet and eat healthy or something like that. And you're like, well, healthy food tastes terrible. It's right. like, it's really... It's like you get to eat the best pizza of your life, but it has all of the health properties of kale. Yes. Like, that's— Yes. It's it's just amazing, the trade-off. And the one thing I will say is, sometimes, with God, I think we have too, like, short of a lens. Mm -hmm. Um, Totally. Like, if you— so for a trial run, if you're like, okay, I'm in this relationship. I think it's probably not what God wants for me. I'm going to try giving it up for like two days. <laughs> yeah. Two days. Yeah, in that two days, you're going to be miserable yes. and really sad yes. and really confused. Like it's the good part is not going to show up in yeah. two days. Give yourself a little bit of time. Yeah. Um, It's not that God's slow. It's just, it just takes more than a, a minute sometimes. Yeah. Yes. So that's why, I mean, I gave myself a year and... It really truly was like the most fun year of my life. And then after yep. that, it was like I got to have a drink here or there and it's sure. and it's never been a big deal in my life since. Right. So it wasn't about the alcohol. It just was giving God some space yep. to work in my life. And so but if you yeah, if you try like a week and you're like, My yeah, life isn't yeah. magically no. better, like give, give it a couple I'm,
1: more. I'm glad <laughs> you. I'm glad that
0: you said that. <laughs> well, I mean, I would try that. I'd be like, Great God, I did a weekend. Give you two days. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um so Hannah, what if what's happening though? If, like, if we're sitting here and we've been a Christian for a while and we're not, we're not seeing our lives change, like, does that mean we're holding on to some stuff or? It might.
1: I mean, I can't say, you know, I mean, it's it's hard to, like, give a prescription for each person, but I think it goes back to think about God's word, God's spirit, and God's people. What are, because part of it, there's mystery in that God does all the work behind the scenes in your heart, but there's also, like, we also have to be actively doing stuff too, right? It's the same thing. Like you're not, if you're single and you want to be like dating to find your husband, like you can't sit at home in your pajamas on the couch and order pizza and watch Netflix all day. Like you're not going to, the pizza delivery guy is not going to be the man of your dreams. And if it's the (laughs) only guy you ever see, it's not going to work. Um, God still has to like orchestrate everything and bring the right guy along in your life. That's going to be good for you. But you got to like put on some clothes and leave your house. (laughs) Like, you know, (laughs) so it's the same, it's the same thing in growing in our relationship with Christ. And so, I think it's it's worthy asking yourself like what am I do, what am I what steps am I taking to try to grow, and then I mean you might be holding on to some stuff, and if things are coming to your mind, there's always a quote that comes to my mind. It's Elizabeth Elliot, and she says you know it's something like we're, we often talk about as Christians like I'm just really I'm struggling with that I'm struggling to give that to God I'm struggling to whatever and she says struggle is just a way to say delayed obedience. Like, we are just choosing to not obey. And that is part of the Christian journey. And obedience, really what it comes down to is, can I trust that God's way is better than my way? And that's it. And that, again, that's the question you're asking yourself after you became a believer. Is he created you to be in a relationship with him and to live life in his way. And that truly is the best way. But most of us, because we're big fat sinners and we're imperfect, we think, no, 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 no. The way I want to live life has got to be the better way. But once you start doing it his way, you realize more and more and more, no, this really is so much better than what, than the rules I had set for myself or the allowances I had set for myself.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that. That's so good. That's so good. It's, I mean... The dating example is really good. And it reminds me, I mean, it's the same with a job. Like you want your dream job to fall on your lap, but like you have to fill out an application. That's right. You
1: have to go to the interview. You can't just sit on the couch and pray.
0: Yeah. You have to put, like, (laughs) the thing that I was thinking about when you said that is like, you have to put on some pants and you have to leave the house. (laughs) So so, like, guys, (laughs) we have to put on some pants. We have to leave the house. And so I think that if we are consistently surrounding our, like, if we're consistently investing in those areas, in the three, in God's word and his spirit and with his people, yeah. like we're going to see things change. Yeah. And if we're we're responding to the, like that voice in your head right now or that thought in your head where you're like, I know exactly what I'm supposed to give up and I don't yeah. want to, yeah. like that's handing over, like in handing over more of our heart to God, we get to see him do more transformative yeah. work in our life. Yeah. So Hannah, one of the hard things I think about being a Christian is that we are are trusting and putting our faith in and putting our hope in a God that we can't totally mm-hmm. see yep. with our eyes yep. the way that we would probably like to. Yes. Uh, how do we How do we do that? How do we tr- How do we trust Him more? How do we have more faith in Him, especially when we can't really totally see Him?
1: Yeah, I'm a broken record. God's word, God's <laughs> spirit, and God's people. And I think God's people get to be, you know, the Bible says that we are image bearers of God. You were uniquely created. God formed you. He thought of you. Isn't that correct? I mean, he literally thought of you when he created you and you are a, just a fraction of who he is. You get to be on this earth and reflect uniquely a piece of him that no one else can. And so being around God's people put a face to a God that in this life we don't get to see with our eyes. And that's what I think. I mean, I think God's spirit helps us see that though. And and no, reading the Bible also puts more like meat and, you know, a figurative flesh to a God that we can't see. But I think the people piece is really huge in that. And then Other thing, it's a, it's truly a daily question you get to ask yourself. Like, it's not like, oh, forever. Once I say I'm all in, I'm just always going to trust and hope in a God that I can't see. No, it's, it's every day. You have to wake up in the morning and you have to answer the question, am I going to live for myself or am I going to live for a God who loves me unconditionally? Am I going to serve myself or am I going to serve a God who has done everything to save me? And you know, some days I don't answer it right. (laughs) But guess what? We get a new day. Hmm. And again, I mean, that is the mystery. And I don't use their magic because Christianity isn't magic, but it's the, it's the amazingness of this gift that he's given us. If you screw up yesterday, if you screw up today, great. You get to wake up tomorrow morning and start all over again.
0: That's why Jesus matters. Yeah. I think like it's, one of my biggest struggles as a Christian is that I, when I look back on my story and I think about myself smelling like a bar floor, like, and, and God reaching out to me in that moment, I, I understand the gospel there. I understand, like, Jesus came to, to connect me to God. Even when I was like that, because of Jesus, I could be connected to God. But it's way harder for me to remember that today I when I screw up in a way that's like not even close to how much I used to screw up or just in different ways, you know, like it's, it's not as like blatant. It's Mm -hmm. not as smelly. It's not as whatever as it used to be. But like, I have the hardest time believing that God wants to be close to me when I fail him constantly. Mm -hmm. I feel so bad about that. And, and I, I want to put like human parameters on him. I want to think like, if I, if I messed up in our friendship that often, like you wouldn't want to be my friend anymore. Right. I mean, the truth is you would because you love me yeah. and because you know, I'm human and yeah. because you have grace for me. Yeah. But it's, it's just really easy for me to be like a perfectionist and think I should, because I love God so much, I should do better. Mm-hmm. And it's just this constant disappointment that I, they that I just consistently screw up. But that's why I have to remind myself all the time. Like that's why Jesus matters yeah. because whether I'm screwing up in massive public ways or small, equally yucky private ways. Like, I mean, just whatever my script looks like because of Jesus, I still get to be connected to God.
1: Yeah. The second you place your faith in Jesus, God sees you perfect, pure, holy, righteous, new. So that's, I think a lot of times Christianity has gotten a bad rap as behavior modification. Like I, like once I become a Christian, I have to get better and better and better and sin less and less and less. And I think the truth is that, we won't, so I don't think we sin less. I think our sin shifts and it changes. And a lot of the times it gets like sneakier. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I think the, the hope or the mark of growing and maturing in the faith, I think is real, having a greater dependence on God and realizing how even more deeply you actually need him every single day. And then I think more of like a tangible, visible, I think we can go back to Jesus' words like, how are you doing on loving your neighbor? How are you doing on loving other people? Because that's going to be like the outward flow. But going back to like, God isn't going to love you less. There's nothing you can do that's going to make God love you more or less. And I think that's part of the reason why the Bible gives us this like picture of God's our father. He's a perfect father. He's a good, the good father. You know, again, this breaks down because we've got some really bad fathers out in the world. Um, and, And some of us like have to deal with that picture of like, God is not your earthly dad. Like your earthly dad may have screwed up and not been an awesome human being to you. God wants to replace that. Like He wants to step in and be the perfect Father. Even I have a great dad. My dad is still not a perfect dad. Same. Like He wants to be the perfect Father to you. And to think about a Father, a, a perfect Father's love for their child. Or like I'm a mom of two boys. My boys do stuff every single day that like literally make me want to like throw something. Like right. <laughs> like they're two and eight months old. Like. But I still love them. I would still die for them in a second without hesitation. Um, when they're teenagers, I'm sure there are going to be days that they break my heart. The beautiful thing, because God is not a person, I think our sin certainly grieves Him. But it, it's not the it's not the same. It's not the same as like how a child can break a mom's heart because He loves us perfectly. Like it just I I, can't, I don't know how else to say it except for His love never changes for you and he doesn't see you any different because essentially Jesus is like standing in between the two of you and God sees you clearly as he meant for you to be perfect in a perfect world because Jesus is standing in between you guys.
0: There's, we're both trying not to cry right now or like <laughs> kind of kind of crying a little just because it's really cool. Um, I think that our because we are like, I, and I have to make this distinction all the time. I'm not doing things to be loved. I'm doing things because I'm loved. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, with a parent, like if, if you, a kid trying to perform and be perfect to earn their parents' love is very different from a kid, like making the right choice or doing the thing you asked Because he knows that he's so loved. Like, I, so often with myself, I have to stop myself because I think that, like, if I shame myself or get mad enough at myself, I'll make, I'll make a change or Mm -hmm. I'll, like, do better. But really, I do better when I know that I'm truly loved. Mm -hmm. Like, it just, it, like, gives me
1: safe, I'm safe, secure, yep, fully loved, fully known, fully fully known. known. That was one of the, like, pinnacles for me in really growing in my faith as a, like, Older teen and young twenties was realizing like God actually knows a hundred percent of me, the parts of me that I want to hide from everybody, including God, like he knows all of it he's nothing is a secret to him, and yet he still unconditionally loves me.
0: I love that, Hannah, as we're finishing up, I would love if you would just pray for us, like just for the woman who's sitting here thinking like. Want to know yeah. the God? Yeah. That I want to know that God, but I like. It feels like there's some gaps between me and Him. Um. Yeah. I would just love if you pray for us. I would
1: love to pray. And before I pray, I think something you said. I think there are a lot of women that are here. It's like I've been trying to live this life on my own, and it's <laughs> not working. And I am. It just life feels dark and overwhelming, and I need to be. Something's got to change. To quote a friend of mine, what if what's going on in your life isn't happening to you, but it's happening for you? And God is using your current circumstances that are hard and gross and seem overwhelming because He is right next to you and He's calling you and He's whispering your name, just waiting for you to acknowledge Him and to say, hey, okay, I'm done. I'm done living this life on my own. I'm ready to give you control. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what it means, but please, Jesus, be here because he's here. He is with you right now and he loves you so much. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you are so good. We, could, we will never be able to understand how good, how loving, how forgiving, how merciful you are in this life. Thank you for loving us in our darkest place. Thank you for choosing to save us. Thank you for wanting to be in a relationship with us even when we think we are too broken and too messy and too sinful. Thank you for the woman or man who is listening to this right now and is recognizing this is what I need. Help them to see you. Shine a light in their darkness. Encourage them this week. If you are thinking right now, I just want to be in, I just encourage you to say it to yourself right now. Say, Jesus, I'm in. I know that I'm a sinner, and I know that I need you to save me. And I want to love you. I want to love you with my whole being, and I want to love others. Help me to do that. God, change our lives. Change my life. Change Steph's life. Steph's life. Change our hearts. We love you. You're too good. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Guys, isn't Hannah amazing? I just love her. Don't forget that if you ever wanna find links for anything we talk about in our Girls' Night episodes, you can always find those over in our show notes. Just head over to girlsnightpodcast.com and you'll find links for everything, including links for Hannah, so you can follow along with all the great stuff she's doing. Seriously, go listen to her new podcast. It's amazing. All right, friends, that's it for today, but we have so much good stuff ahead this season. And with that in mind, now is the perfect time to make sure you're subscribed subscribing to the show is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode it doesn't send you an email or anything it just makes sure your phone downloads the latest episode when a new one's released and i did want to take a quick second to ask you all a favor if you enjoyed this episode or if you've been a girls night fan for a while now would you take just two quick seconds to leave us a rating and a review on itunes those reviews help out our podcast so much and it really would mean the world to me so if you take two quick seconds to do that i would be so grateful Alright friends, thank you for joining me for Girls Night and I will see you next week.